0: have your Bibles, I would invite you to take them up and turn with me, uh, to open your Bibles and turn with me to the book of 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, that's where we'll be, Um, we'll we'll get there eventually, Uh, we're going to look at a few different things this morning um, as we study our Bibles, if you don't have a Bible, uh, we would encourage you to follow along with us. Uh, you can find a Bible in the pew back in front of you, and can find this reading on page 940, 940, or you can use your mobile device of choice, your Bible app, and we'd love for you to join us as we look through 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Uh, the verses we'll particularly look at will be verses 6 through 8, 6 through 8. You find us this morning if you're visiting with us, or if you've not been following along, uh, you find us this morning in a series that we call All In. And what we're examining is what it means for us to be a disciple of Jesus, to be a Jesus follower, to be all in for Christ, to say this is what it means for, this is what it looks like for someone who has given all of their life to Jesus. And so each week we've been taking a different characteristic that we believe makes up a disciple or a follower of Jesus, a follower of him. And so now uh, we're over halfway. Or we're over halfway through our series. We're come to this, our fifth week in this series, and we, we, we want to talk about money. We want to talk about giving because we want you to feel comfortable. <laughs> Jesus has some things to say about how we use our money and how we use our resources that he gives to us. We're going to talk about that. This week I was driving along and I don't know if any of you listen to NPR at all, but I do it from time to time. And as I was listening, it happened to be their member drive. And so it's not my favorite time to listen to NPR. Actually, when I, 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 I realized, oh no, they're doing the member drive. And I usually change the channel because there's these people with these really nice voices and they talk like this. And then they tell me, they say, oh, you should and they give you all of the reasons why the, you ought to be a member and you can join for $5 a month or you can join for $10 a month and this is such a great service and if you have enjoyed anything from NPR then you should consider how you might be able to help us right this is how they go right and, and it just keeps going and they d- d- And uh, apparently you can get um, a backpack uh, if you become a member or socks uh, maybe some of you have NPR socks I don't know um, there's a there's a form of it's a form of giving isn't it where they're dependent upon people's generosity and in uh, in the united states we have a culture of where it's expected that you will well i I benefit so i probably should you know i probably should throw throw some money at it that's probably a good idea that's probably a good thing and there is there is a sense of of duty that's important and there's sense of giving and there's nothing wrong with that that's important but it's different than what jesus calls us to he calls us to his disciples, his followers, to be, to be those who are not just giving, but those who are generous, have a lifestyle of generosity. And that's what we're going to be thinking about this morning, that a person who is all in for Jesus is a person who is generous that you can't be someone who is all in for Jesus, who's a follower of Jesus, and it not affect your financial resources. You can't, they, you, they can't coexist. You can't be all in for Jesus and have it not affect the, your money. You can't. You can't. Jesus has things to say about it. Now, I know some of you are ready to check out, or some of you are going, oh, we should have visited a different week. Thank you for coming. And I want you to hang in there with me. I, I really do. Because... I don't want you to check out because here's what I want you to hear. Everyone can be generous. Everyone can be generous. Some of you don't believe me. You're not believing me right now, but I want—I hope by the end you'll realize, yes, everyone can be generous. In order for us to understand that every single one of us has the opportunity to be generous, there's a few things that we need to just kind of get off the table. We need, to, we need to clear the table in order for us to have a conversation about generosity, because there are misunderstandings of generosity, and I want to just walk through a few misunderstandings of generosity before we get to understanding generosity, and then we'll pray, and then we'll go home. That's the plan. All right. So first is this. Generosity is not, right? That's what that's the phrase, right? Generosity is not natural. Generosity is not natural. It doesn't come naturally to you, it doesn't come naturally to me, it doesn't come naturally to our kids. That's why they have to be taught to share. Right. that's why we had to when we were children had to be taught to share that's why you have that feeling like I probably at the end of the the, the carton of McDonald's fries when there's that last fry and your kid still wants more fries you think I wish I could eat the fry and I still do quite frankly you say you should lay off the McDonald's fries I know I should thanks Um, but it's not natural for us generosity is not a natural way for us to be thinking it's hard because our tendency, our, what's natural for us is to consume anything that comes our way because the assumption is any of the resources that are coming my way are for me to use for my good and for my benefit. That's our assumption. Rather than recognizing that a that, that po- portion of the resources I have are actually for others, not for me to consume. So the first is this. First misunderstanding is generosity is not natural. Second is generosity is not random acts of giving. It's not random acts of giving. Random acts of giving would be giving to NPR. Random acts of giving would be um, walking into the store at Christmas time and dropping some money in the, in the Salvation Army container. Random acts of giving are going to the golf outing and putting a bid on the silent auction. Those are random acts of giving. Those are really, really good. Really important and really significant. But it's not generosity. Generosity is not random acts of giving. Generosity is a lifestyle where we have taken the idea and the conviction of generosity and put it at the center of our financial life. Different. It's different. Generosity is not natural. Generosity is not random acts of giving. Because generosity will transcend inspiration and guilt, right? Right? So a lot of the times we give, do random acts of giving, it's because we've heard an inspiring story, because we feel guilty, and so we say, ah, yeah, okay, here, 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 here. That's not generosity. Generosity transcends guilt and inspiration, and it's a conviction of our hearts that that's the center of our financial lives. Thirdly, generosity is not determined by cash flow. Determined by cash flow. And what I mean by this is this. That it's not determined by um, how much money I have coming in or coming out. Well, I can't afford to give this month uh, because I've got a little extra, and so therefore I can give, but next month I won't, because I'm taking that trip to wherever, and so I won't have the ability then. so I w- it's not determined. Generosity is not determined by cash flow. Generosity is determined by conviction of heart. It's determined by conviction of heart, not determined by cash flow. Generosity, fourthly, is not determined by amount. It's not determined by amount. So it's not, someone's, someone's generosity is not determined by how many zeros are at the end of the check that they write. right? So we have a tendency to think of it this way, where someone gives a, 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 a big check and we say, wow, that is such a generous donation. And in a sense, you say, absolutely, that's totally true. And and in one sense, you go, yeah, that's great. They gave a lot of money, but the reality is you have no idea whether that was generous or not because you have no idea how much money they have in their account. There's there's only two people that know, that person who's giving it and God, whether that's actual generosity. What we know is that they had a lot of zeros on the end of the check. That's what we know. And we want to be thankful for that, and it's a great thing. It's an important thing. But we we don't know that it's generosity. Generosity is not determined by the amount of money that's given. It's by the heart condition of the giver. Right? You still comfortable? Okay. Keep moving. Generosity is not just for the wealthy or just for the rich. We have a tendency to, our natural default is to say, well, the people who have a lot of money, the rich people are the ones who can give a lot of money. That's not true. Rich people are rich. Generous people are generous. Those may or may not go together. There's no natural correlation. Because if it's not a heart condition, (laughs) right? If it's not a heart condition, you can have all the money. Look, if you don't decide, if we don't purpose in our hearts to be generous, if we don't purpose in our hearts to be generous, then right now, if you're at a 20-year-old and you don't purpose in your heart to be generous, then you can make a whole bunch of money. You can make millions of dollars and just be a rich, selfish person. Doesn't mean just because you have the amount of money doesn't mean, there's, it's a myth to think that it's just if I can just have more and more money, then I would give away money. I mean, I myself have found myself, if I would just win the lottery, I never play the lottery, but if I would win it, then I could just give all this money away. No, I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't. I'd probably just go on more expensive vacations or something. I don't know what I'd do with it, but I might daydream about it from time to time. Generosity is not just for the rich. Everyone has the opportunity to be generous because generosity is not dependent upon how much money you have. It's not dependent upon cash flow. Generosity is not a one-time thing. A life of generosity is a life that has generosity at the very core of our financial lives. Generosity is a completely way it's a complete, completely different composition to the way we think about and regard our finances. It's not a one-time thing. This sermon is not going to just radically change you. It's like a one-time thing, and all of a sudden, whoop! I mean, I'd love to believe that my sermons just radically change your lives, but I've lived long enough to know that that doesn't happen. I've preached enough to know that it doesn't happen. It's not a one-time thing. It's an ongoing thing that's a conviction of the way in which we live our lives. Choose to live our lives. And finally, the final misunderstanding is this: that generosity is not merely having good intentions generosity is not merely having good intentions <clears throat> i have i have intentions at generosity all the time Right, all the time. So, so I'll give you an example, right? So um, just recently in the office, we, were, we had the opportunity to, to partner with, to put the display out for the food drive that's happening right now in the lobby. And um, they sent around like a signup sheet where you could sign up to bring something in. And so by the time I actually realized that I had to click on the thing to look at the sign up sheet to sign up, there was like two things that weren't taken by our staff to come and donate so we can make this display. And one of them was like juicy juice. I'm like, ah, I'll do the juicy juice. That's what I'm gonna do. So I'm going to go do the Juicy Juice. But, you know, life happens. You know, stuff, stuff, gets, stuff happens. You know, I end up at Cub, and I'm, it's not on the list, right? I, I don't put the Juicy Juice on the list, and so I don't get the Juicy Juice. And so, and then, next thing I know, I'm walking through the lobby, and there's the display, and it looks fantastic, and there's no Juicy Juice, because guess who didn't go get it? Yours truly, right? Because I just, it just, I, I, good intentions are just good intentions. They don't actually lead to generosity, That they can, good intentions are important, but they won't lead. It has to be more than that. So those are just a few misunderstandings of generosity. But now I want to get to understanding generosity. Understanding generosity. Jesus had a lot to say about money. Um... And really fantastic, and it's worthy of your time to study what Jesus has to say about money. But I want to talk, I want to go to the Apostle Paul, because the Apostle Paul was the one who would first began to teach the church about generosity, to teach the church about generosity. See, the New Testament church began um, in Jerusalem, right? This is where the, the the believers came and then there was persecution and the church began to scatter and the Apostle Paul went along and he began to go along the Mediterranean Sea in order that he might be able to plant churches and plant churches and plant churches and plant churches. And so this is, this is a little bit of what it looks like here. So here's, here is the, uh, here's the Mediterranean Sea right, right here, the Mediterranean Sea. There's Jerusalem here and so he started to pl- plant churches all around here, right? Ephesus is there, Philippi is there, Corinth is right here. Okay, we're going to talk primarily about Corinth today. So what was happening is Jerusalem. It started here, and then and then the Apostle Paul went on his first missionary journey, which was right around here, and then he went on a second, third, and then eventually ended up in Rome. All right. So this is the Apostle Paul's life and ministry and journey that he took. Now, what's what happens is the church in Jerusalem here, the church in Jerusalem gets under severe persecution because of their faith in Jesus Christ, because of their newfound faith in Christ, that this church that started and birthed all of these other churches that were happening all around here became under significant persecution. And so the apostle Paul, what he ends up doing is what happens is these Christians, because of the persecution, they couldn't get jobs. And so they ended up being a part of the poor that were in Jerusalem, and it was because of their faith in Jesus. And so the Apostle Paul starts going to all of these other churches that he had planted around the Mediterranean Sea, and he started to let them know about the plight that had happened to the church in Corinth. And these churches said, that's our planting church. That's where our faith... St- if it wasn't for the church in Jerusalem, we wouldn't exist. We would never have known about the message of Jesus Christ. We would have never known about the glorious grace of God. And so they, so the Apostle Paul started to tell the churches in Galatia and the church in Macedonia and the church in Corinth how they could help be able to support the church of those suffering Christians in Jerusalem. And this is what he says. This is in in 1 in, um, in Corinthians uh, at the, in the 16th chapter, what you get is the Corinthians church had heard about the collection, right? They'd heard about the collection. And they'd written asking a number of questions to the Apostle Paul and one of their questions was about this collection that was going to be taken for the church in Jerusalem. And this is what the Apostle Paul writes. This is the guidance he gives them. Now about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of the week, Each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up, so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Then, when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable for me to go also, they will accompany me. So what does he say? Well, this is what he says. Now, this is the direction that the Apostle Paul gives the church in Corinth on what they ought to do. What should they do on the first day of the week? So when, on the very first thing that they ought, they ought to do is they ought to do what? Set aside a sum of money. When they, when they receive, on the very first day, the Sunday, when they worship on that particular day, what they need to do is of first importance is to set aside, choose to set aside a sum of money. How much money did he tell them to set aside? In keeping with your income in keeping with your income, this is look at what, how much money you have and determine set aside a sum of money in keeping with that income because it 's not determined by amount. what 's determined is what it's in keeping with their income is what he says. then do what? save it up so that what so that when I come there's no need to have all of these pictures of all these suffering Christians. We don't, need to, do, we don't need to drag that out because you're already ready, because you're prepared. You have money that is set aside for the specific purpose of giving for this particular church. So when we come, that money is ready for you to be able to give, right? This is the instruction that he gave the Corinthian church. They said, hey, that's fantastic. That's a great plan. Let's go ahead and do that. Paul writes another letter. You know, there's 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. That's another letter to to the church in Corinth. And he writes just to follow up, just to make sure that they understood what was going on, right? So he, he writes just to follow up with them. And what we find then is that Paul had actually gone to other churches and told them, hey, the church in Corinth is also ready to give. They're preparing themselves to give. And then he goes on to say this. And now, brothers and sisters we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. So Paul had gone out to the churches in Macedonia and Paul went out to to tell them about the gift and about the collection that was going to happen and told them about Corinth and told them about all his opportunities, the churches in Galatia. So he went to the Macedonian churches. Now, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Because generosity isn't just for the rich. Look, he says, "...in the midst of severe trial, their overflowing joy and extreme poverty welled up in what? Rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations." They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. So because of what Paul was doing as he was talking about this, they gave themselves what? First to the Lord. They gave themselves to the Lord and what happened? Out of their poverty, then they became exceedingly generous and they were filled with great joy. Look at this. This is staggering. And Paul was staggered by these churches beyond our expectations, they exceeded our expectations because why? They gave themselves to the Lord, and then they gave to us. They gave to us also. So Paul is writing to the church in, in Corinth and saying, Hey, guys, I, I know you talked about this, and you were asking about it, but I want you to know this is what's going on. This is what's happening out there. So you guys better, you, you better think about uh, doing what you said you were going to do. And then he goes on in verse 8 and says this. I'm not commanding you. So it's not a command from Paul. But I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich for your sake, he became poor so that, th- so that you through his poverty might become rich. He so says, this isn't a command. I'm not guilting you. I'm not commanding you. But I want to test it against the generosity of others. I want to test the sincerity of your faith because you've experienced the grace of Jesus Christ. You've experienced Jesus who left the amazing riches of heaven and came and took on the form of human flesh. Not only did he take on the form of human flesh, but he took on the nature of a servant. He became a penniless, homeless servant in his ministry on earth. And gave his life in order that you might experience the riches of heaven. He became poor so that you might become rich. This is what reorients. This, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is what reorients the followers of Jesus. When we say we're all in for Jesus, it is we because we're following after his pattern and his example because his life has transformed our hearts. It's turned our hearts upside down. And so therefore, what comes in isn't what, isn't what we just use and consume for ourselves, but also is what we give for other people because it's at the very heart of the gospel, because it was at the very heart of our Savior, that he came giving. He came giving. And so therefore, it's at the very heart of his people that we come giving. Well, Paul says to the Corinthians... I'm not commanding you, but I'm testing your love because of the gospel. And then he gets to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, which is this. And it's in your Bibles in front of you. I told you we'd get there eventually. I I didn't lie. Remember this, he says. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. He says this, the first thing that he gives us in these verses is a proverb. He gives a proverb. Remember, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. It's impossible for us to be all in for Jesus Christ and have our finances unaffected. It's impossible. The degree to which you trust God because the degree to which the gospel of Jesus Christ has transformed our hearts and we trust God through giving will be the degree to which we experience the joy that the Macedonian churches experienced. It's the degree to which that we allow the gospel to reorient our hearts to be giving people will be the degree to which we experience the radical joy that that, that doesn't even make sense. It would make sense that we take all of our money and we spend it on ourselves and then we have joy, but we don't. It's not how it works. It's, it's, it's when we actually allow the gospel to reorient our lives and then we are able to give, then we experience the great joy that comes. And the more, the degree to which we do it is the degree to which we will experience the joy and he will receive glory and honor. So he gives us a proverb and then he gives us a practice. And then there's a practice. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. There you have it. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. So the question here, or the practice here, is that you decide in your heart what you're going to give, which requires planning. Do, do you have a, it, it's really pretty simple, do you have a plan? You will, never be gener- you will never stumble into generosity, won't happen. The inertia of our world is too strong. The pool of our culture, the desire for things, marketing is way too good for us to just stumble into generosity. We can stumble into random acts of giving, we can do that, But we will not stumble into generosity, the generosity of a disciple of Jesus. We won't stumble into that. No, it requires a plan. And so my question for you is, do you have a plan on how you will be generous? Are you setting aside resources first to give away? Like Paul said to the church in Corinth, on the first day, they set aside a sum of money. For what? For generosity. Just for giving. That's what it was for. That's what it was for generosity requires that we set aside resources for regularly sacrificially intentionally planfully we need to have a plan so do you have a plan have you talked about it with your spouse have you talked about it as a family have you talk, talked about it with your children have you have you ta- have you prayed to God and saying is this the right plan for us do you have a do you have a plan they determined in their hearts what they were to give they have a plan I want I want to just I want to talk to you about a, an opportunity that's coming. We're, we're going to be doing in December, we're going to do a, Christian, a Christmas collection, a special offering that will fuel the vision of our church moving forward. And we're going to do this, and, and we're going to do this in December, and we're going to talk to you more about the opportunity that you have. But can I just cast a vision for you? That you have an opportunity. We're doing this so that you can have an opportunity now to plan for that particular gift where we'll say, okay, we're gonna give to the church and we're gonna fuel the future of, of our church and we're gonna do that. And we have an opportunity now to have a conversation about a real opportunity that's gonna be happening this Christmas when we do our Christmas collection. And you can pray about that. And you can talk to your spouse about that. And you can talk to your children about that. And maybe your children do a bake sale and all of the, rec- all the things that they sell over the holidays is gonna be money that you're setting aside so that your children get a chance to participate in the movement of God's church. Because if they're not taught, they won't learn. And if, if we weren't taught, if we weren't taught, then how would we be able to learn? This is an opportunity for us as a church family to be able to come together and say, let's prayerfully consider how God might move and how God might work in our church. more to more on that as we move forward but be thinking and praying there's a practice and then there's a posture each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give not reluctantly or under compulsion for god loves a cheerful giver god loves a cheerful giver giving is not natural our experience of the gospel changes and reorients, reorients our heart's attitude towards money. Guys, listen, God does not need your money. You know that? You know that. God gave it all to you. God doesn't need your money. He's not sitting there writhing in his hands and just going, oh, if they would just give, give me something that I have to work with. That's not, God's not doing that. He doesn't need, he's not trying to just pull money out of us. As if, as if he was somehow in need. He's not trying to just wrestle money out of your pocketbooks. No, he wants to get the idols out of your heart. That's what he wants. If God had a need, he wouldn't care the posture that you had in giving. Never once, I, I, I don't think NPR gives a rip at what people's attitudes are when they give money. They need money so that they can do their thing. The IRS does not care whether you're happy with them when they take your money. Never once have I gotten a letter from the IRS that said, you know what, thank you for your generous gift, but I have a concern for your heart. Never once, maybe you, maybe you've received that, I haven't. Because they don't care. They just want the money. God doesn't care about the money. He cares about the money because He cares about your heart. That's what He is after. And then He wants you to give cheerfully because the gospel has come in and transformed our hearts. And then He gives us a plan. And when we're planful about setting aside resources just for the, the point, just for the opportunity to participate in giving and bringing joy and experience the joy that God calls for us as His children, because He's a God who gives. And he wants us to experience the joy of giving because he's a, he who knows the joy of giving, he made us that way. And when we find ourselves fearful, when we find our, our grasp on our things tightening, then we need to go back to the cross. Then we need to come back to the table. And we have to recognize again all that Jesus did for you, and we need to ask God for his grace to, to remind us again and to give us faith so that our hands can be open because one day we're going to have everything because he became poor so that you might be able to come around the table. And then finally this, a promise. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all times... So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Why does God want his disciples, his children, his family to be generous? Because God wants us really, 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 really to believe and to experience that he will bless you in all things at all times. That you will have all that you're in need so that you can do every good work. He really wants that for us. That's what he wants for us. So why generosity? Not because he needs it, but because we need it. We need to be generous. We need it so that we can experience all that God has for us. I mean, imagine this, and then I'll be done. Imagine that you were given, I don't know, Phil, a million dollars, but you couldn't use it on yourself. The only reason, the only way you could touch that money is just so that you could give it away. Can you imagine how fun that would be? Can you imagine how much joy? How? That's what God calls you for, to do. Imagine the joy of, of using those resources to bring smiles onto the faces of people that you can plan how to use those things. That's what he calls, calls us to. Friends, I, 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 I'm, I'm as uncomfortable as anybody thinking these things out, but this is what God teaches us. And it's really, really important if we're gonna be all in for Jesus. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your generosity. In all of our lives, we know your generosity to us. We've experienced it. And so now as we think these things out, Father, I just ask that you will, that you will help us to have good conversations with you first, with our friends, with our spouses, with our children, and as a church, so that we can be known as a church of generosity who just loves to give because we've received so much from you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.